Oh my gosh, oh my goodness. I don't know how to introduce this topic. It's so deep. That's how I'll introduce it. It's so deep. It's so important. It's so crucial. It's so beautiful. It's this tug of war of the heart. It's self-love. And one, I think, of the most profound ways that we are experiencing a battle with self-love is in romantic relationships. How we invest our, our time and our energy and our schedules into another person, into a committed relationship. And in that commitment, there's also this unapologetic desire for time to grow in autonomy, you know, like your own self. To know that this person isn't controlling who you're becoming. Rather, they're influencing it and uplifting it. But even if they're doing it in really healthy and beautiful ways, there's still a desire to grow in self-love with yourself. To have some alone time. To sit back and relax and do things for yourself. And... To just fight for that real, authentic love of who you are, of your body, of your spirit, of your nature, of your gifts and talents. And that's the journey, right? I think that's the biggest journey of life that we will always have to compete with, to fight for, to protect, to dignify it. And man, there's so much to say about it. I'm so, so excited to talk about it in this episode with my dear friend, Lindsay Todd. Lindsay was on the podcast a few months ago in um, light of her book on chastity. So go ahead and check out that episode. But she's back this week because this week she is dropping her first novel. I'm so excited to say that everyone should read this. It's called Closure. And personally, I can count on one hand the number of books I've read in in like one or two sittings. You just keep reading and keep reading, right? And Closure has made the list. It's this 21st century story that understands excitement, thrills, romance, exuberant young love. It's giddiness. It's receiving Facebook messages that start the conversation and ending with late nights in Philadelphia with good food and friends, right? Like this whole novel just illustrates this beautiful love story that molds the main character's heart and her identity. And it follows the story of her journey to later find out that as their love is trying to grow into maturity, there's not much room for it. And there's not much room for it because God and the search for meaning and the search for self-love are outweighing everything else. And if that resonates with you, if you have a story of your own romantic relationship that you can be like, wow, I experienced that too. This novel is for you to connect with, to hear about, and to dive into. So let's talk about self-love. Let's talk about closure. Let's talk about something good. Lindsay, welcome back. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure as always. I'm about to just make you a co-host for the whole show. Oh, God, don't do that. (laughs) We're going to dive into it. So 
in your words, what is self-love to you? How do you cultivate it? How did you create it for yourself? Tell us. Yeah, so I think I think for most people, self-love is a journey. Um, it was for me, but I will say for me, I think self-love has involved just like an open mentality to growth and an open heart to whoever God is calling you to be and who he's created you to be. And, you know, I love the St. Catherine of Siena quote that I'm sure everyone knows, but it's, you know, be who God created you to be and you'll set the world on fire. Mm -hmm. And every time I hear that, I'm just so empowered by it. And I'm like, yes, because that's what I think self-love is. It's like just embracing everything that God intends for your life. Um, So just kind of allowing yourself to shine in your natural skills and talents and just believe in your ability to do whatever it is you feel called to do in your life. Um, So true. Yeah. So true. And I know that like sometimes with that, I think that a lot of us feel pressured to just like do it all. And I think that that's one important caveat is that self-love has absolutely nothing to do with cultivating perfectionism, which Mm -hmm. was a tough pill for me to swallow because I know I'm a perfectionist in a lot of ways. I struggle with body image like a lot of other women. I struggle with like, oh, am I am I doing enough? Which is so dumb because logically I know I'm doing amazing things with my life. But yeah, that kind of pressure comes from perfectionism, which actually comes from a place of pride rather mm. than self-love. So it is a journey and it is a process, but just like, yeah, giving yourself the freedom to shine in whatever you're good at and whatever you're interested in. That's so, so good. And I feel like for myself, like on my journey, I struggled with a lot of the things you struggled with, but it wasn't until I kind of created this vision. It's like, I don't want to live in this like sadness about it. Like I have to create this vision of what I think that will look like. And I know that you and I always talk about the the beauty of like knowing self-love is not selfish And knowing that you owe yourself the purpose and the vision, which are from God, right? Like that's who God created you to be. And if if that's what is like St. Catherine says is going to set you on fire, we have every right to own that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously things get in the way of that and it's not perfect to get there. And I always think of, um, if you listen to Selena Gomez's new album, she has this this line in one of her songs, and she says, confidence is throwing your heart through every brick wall. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's not even this, oh, let me get all these likes and wear my cute little bougie outfits and self-love comes. No, it's it's an integral, internal, inside thing. Like, it's not an exterior thing. Um so that can be a fear in the process, but what were your fears in, in your journey towards self-love? How did you overcome them? Oh, gosh. I, so I don't, I don't know if I would say I've overcome them completely, but I've definitely made progress. Um, I would say number one is just kind of being afraid to lose certain mm. people in my life. Like, especially when I think about like living in a way that's authentic and freeing to the person I was. I was just afraid that I would lose people along the way. Oh my gosh, um, same. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like others' opinions definitely play a role. But yeah. um, I was also really afraid of failure. And I think a lot of people struggle with those two things when it comes to just making decisions rooted in what's best for themselves. And like, 
Yeah, I, I think we're all afraid to to lose people and embracing who we were always meant to be. But if you lose them, they probably weren't really inspiring you to be all you were created to be anyway. And God's yeah. going to replace them with amazing people who are actually going to encourage you to live out your calling. So, um, yeah. And then just like touching on that point of failure, I just wanted to say, like, I really struggle with this because my fear of failure comes from a place of anxiety. Mm-hmm. and the reality is that we all fail every day, even in like really small ways. So the real fear would be like looking back someday and thinking, wow, I should have just like taken that opportunity rather than letting fear hold you back. So those are two things I still struggle with. Um, It's not easy to overcome them, but I have made progress for sure. I think I want to focus more on that caring about what others think, because that's the reason we don't follow through on the vision that we have for ourselves right like I think most especially in my case everyone knows that I talk about God and I and my vision of life was always to preach the gospel or to share the goodness of God but there's still a part of me that cares so much about what others are going to say to that like Mm. if I actually be myself and talk about God the way that I do Will that intimidate them? Will that turn them away from me? Will that, you know, shut me down? Which it has, right? Like there's experiences where that has happened. Um, But this, I'm telling you, the Selena Gomez quote, throwing your heart through every (laughs) brick wall, you have to take the chance. And then it's so crazy because you look back and you realize there's probably two people that have actually had like a comment about my biggest fear and overall like most people are happy that I do what I do and it's like where does that come from that fear that that fear that people are caring that much like they're probably not even thinking about me and I'm over here like up till 2 a.m thinking about it (laughs) stressing yourself out yeah for sure yeah and then on top of that there's two other things that they kind of stopped my ability to love myself and it was through this understanding of myself that I began to cultivate more self-love. So first for me, I was just kind of narrow-minded. Like I didn't fully understand certain truths about life or certain realities about life. And to go back to your comment on body image, like my lack of knowledge in nutrition was the reason I felt hopeless in feeling healthy, right? Like, Mm You live in maybe these negative and dark images of who you are because you're not, again, envisioning this plan or this purpose to make realistic goals, or you're living in an environment that doesn't uplift you to make those decisions. Yes. So something for me in that same realm was, you know, I live in this negative and dark image of who I am. Why? Oh, well, because at the time. I didn't have people complimenting my image or complimenting, not that that's necessary, but I guess that's like what I thought I needed. Mm -hmm. And then living in an environment where I wasn't taking myself to the gym to be with a community of people striving for the same goals. So if I'm taking that all on myself and I don't have people uplifting me, then that environment's going to kill me. So there's so many things that we don't understand about life, about reality, that make us kind of live in their in our imperfections um 
And I know that there's a really big truth and reality that you and I talk about a lot, and it's that Myers-Briggs assessment. So in the words <laughs> in the words of Michael Scott, can you explain that to the listeners like they're eight? <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. So I, I'm so first of all, our poor listeners are probably gonna think, what is this girl throwing at me right now? Because some of it might sound like some mumbo jumbo, but I'm actually really excited to talk about this. And that's the best part. So get it going. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, so this is one way I've found that I really developed myself and experienced pretty substantial growth is just learning about my personality and what they call cognitive functions. Um, for those of you who have heard of Myers-Briggs, it's kind of a pop psychology version of what I'm going to be explaining. Mm -hmm. So, so cognitive functions are pretty hardwired into our personalities. They're what make you tick. They're what kind of drive you to um, do the things you do. Um, Some of you, you know, when you think of your personality, you're, you're a multifaceted being, you're complex. And I'm not talking about moods, which change with kind of the weather of the day. I'm talking about traits. So, Essentially, there are eight main traits or cognitive functions that make up your unique personality. And the order of those traits determines your specific personality type. So just to simplify, I'll focus on my type as an example. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm an INFP. That's the four-letter result I got from actually taking the Myers-Briggs test, which is like the pop psych version. Mm -hmm. And so from a cognitive perspective, I lead with a function called introverted feeling, which in layman's terms just means I feel my own emotions incredibly deeply. I'm pretty unwilling by them. So it's a very intense function. And I'm extremely self aware. Mm -hmm. And all of that stems from my dominant function as an INFP. Um, For instance, if you if you were to if someone were to take the personality test, and they got a result of ESTP, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't share that dominant function that I have, their function stack would look very different. Um, So basically, you know, I, I highly recommend Myers-Briggs as a place to start, because that'll give you your four letter type. Um, You can go to I think it's just Mm 16personalities.com and you can get you can get the test for free. Um, But then I really encourage people to delve a little more deeply into that type, because that's just a starting place for like a more complex personality code that you have. What the, what I found the best part about that, that quiz and dissecting all of that is like when I read the list of things that made my personality tick, I was like, Oh my gosh, I was convincing myself for all these years that those were my imperfections, but those, yes, yeah, but those are just total, normal human things that are probably hardwired into my brain that I have no control over. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And not that that's, you know, not that you ever want to fall back on the excuse of like, oh, it's just how I am when it comes to like, unhealthy habits. But it is like a good way to kind of understand yourself better and to understand like maybe why you react the way you do in certain situations. I've, I've found it to be really helpful. And to, to add that right to your understanding of who God is for you. And we receive that supernatural grace of God, which can totally eliminate all of those things. We just really find the beauty of one, that understanding, but then two, realizing we don't have to be perfect for God. So back to your perfectionism comment like if we're out there trying to be perfect for others and for God there's no need for us to be because there's nothing to earn for 
people to love us, especially God, because if we expect all of these things to just fall into place without an understanding of it, you know, God doesn't expect that of us. Like he doesn't expect us to understand this until we take that step to look into it and then to invite him in and be like, Hey, uh, so I get really angry when this happens. (laughs) What should I do? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that's the way, that's the beauty of the way God loves us. He sees all of our imperfections and he loves us so much anyway. And that's, you know, those are the types of relationships we can hope for in our lives too. The ones that, you know, people, people see us for our imperfections, but also for um, the fullness of our identities and, and love us despite all of our flaws. Which brings me to my second point. Um, one of the reasons I struggled with self-love was I actually didn't allow myself to fully receive love. And this is like real love. Um, mm. I was just kind of being okay with everything around me. And I know that if someone was willing to offer me friendship, even if it was toxic or manipulative, I would just receive it without wondering if they were authentic or fake or having ulterior motives. Um, Mm. Most of the times, you know, in high school and even college, it's harmful and hurtful that others might be using you or, and this is like physically, emotionally, anything. But if we don't stand up for ourselves to know what authentic love is, and that self-love to say, I'm not going to stand up for this, then we really just start receiving this really negative energy from people. Um, yes. And another thing, too, and this is, I think, I hope a universal thing, but I expected so many other people to meet my emotional needs. Like, you know how when you walk into a room and if someone's angry, like they set the tone for everyone else? Oh, yes. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I would just receive whatever's in the room, right? Like, whoever is in charge, whoever has the biggest presence. And if they're angry, if they're emotional, if they're sad, then I guess I have to be one of those things that day. Like, what is that? It's it's like, it's an absorbing thing. It's an absorbing of someone else's energy, which is really unfortunate. But I feel like we all fall into that sometimes. And this is where self-love can really be powerful to choose to say to yourself, I'm not carrying that right now. So I'm going to be maybe a light to this room or a voice to this friendship um, to not expect these other people to meet your emotional need for the day. So geez, that runs deep though. Yeah. And I, you know, just something I was thinking about as, as you were talking about all of that, I think Anytime you're able to prioritize what you actually want, mm-hmm. provided that it's good and wholesome, you're you're choosing to be the fullest version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you settle for less, you're you're watering yourself down, you're minimizing yourself in an unhealthy way that could become destructive. Yeah. Um, what you mentioned specifically about not wanting to stand up for yourself, like when you're afraid of being misunderstood by people, um, that's so common. Yeah. And sometimes easier to just like keep quiet and let people kind of steamroll over you because you want to please them rather than actually state like what you want what you need mm-hmm. um, and that's that's not gonna say that's not to say you're gonna be selfish your whole life yeah there are gonna be times where like you maybe have to give more than what you're comfortable with but um you know, it's good to be selfless, but not to the extent that it harms you or cuts you off from God or requires you to make compromises that violate your dignity. It's so true. I often think, too, of the moments where I had to 
allow myself to be confident to whether it's to stand up in that room or to even um say something to someone I remember in high school like having the guts to even talk to a guy not that I even expected him to continue a conversation or for him to ask me out on a date whatever that's where my head goes but the (laughs) fact that I had that confidence to then say something to him like you were saying that's that to me was self-care it was like you can do this Shannon and it's okay (laughs) yeah no and believing that like you have something to contribute to that like conversation or relationship and just like putting yourself out there even if you're like nervous about it absolutely exactly and with that I think that's a really good segue into the whole self-love and relationship so I think it's just universal that when we focus so much on romance and trying to attain romance and experiencing romance, we try and find that balance with self-love. And you have a lot to say about this. I don't <laughs> even know where to start. Yeah, I we basically we should tell listeners to just go back and listen to a podcast I did with you several months ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, I can definitely speak to this a little bit. Um, I feel like self-love and relationships are very wrapped up in each other. And I feel like maybe especially more so for women. I feel like it's something, you know, we we have a tendency to really lay our heart on the line and to sacrifice so much for, for the men we're with yeah. that we forget to take care of ourselves. Um, for me, one of the biggest ways I ever chose self-love was to walk away from a long-term relationship mm. that didn't allow me to grow in the ways I wanted to specifically spiritually. And in fact, I was asked on more than one occasion to stifle that growth Mm. and compromise it for the good of the relationship. And, um, you know, I, I found even apart from the fact that my faith ultimately mattered too much for me to do that. Just in general, true love does not ask you to do those things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't ask you to temper yourself, doesn't ask you to stifle what makes you who you are just so that the other person can be more comfortable. So that's a hard truth because I think back to that time in my life and like, okay, a lot of the time our relationship was a happy one, but it was also a really tumultuous time in my life because I wasn't ultimately at peace. And I don't think I could have ever been at peace until I could just rest in who I was. So I only could accomplish that by walking away from that relationship. And that's, that's the reality sometimes. That's total self-love to stand up for yourself in a very powerful way right there. Um, Yeah, for sure. And on that note, I just also want to bring up your book. (laughs) <laughs> that is being released this Friday. Yes, I'm so, so excited because I really feel like everything we talked about today is really at the heart of what this book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so to, to all of our listeners, I am publishing my debut novel called Closure this coming Friday, August 28th. And if you are a fan of unpredictable and non-sappy contemporary romance novels, I think this is a book you'll appreciate. Um, So yeah, just if you've ever struggled with any of the things we talked about today, um, you'll appreciate the struggles that my main character goes through. It's basically just a young love story about two kids who start dating in high school and have all of these wonderful adventures together through their college years. 
But after several years together, the main character, Morgan, begins to really grow in her faith and gives it a central role in her life. And her boyfriend is resentful of the church and of her faith. And their differences really require Morgan to take a look at whether her relationship is encouraging her growth. And when she sees that it doesn't, um, she knows she has to make that hard decision to let go of the only man she's ever loved um, in the name of self-love and also to, um, to stay, I guess, devout in her faith. Um, so if it's okay with you, Shan, I'd love to just read a quick excerpt for everyone that ties up the conversation we had today. Let's do it. Go ahead. I flash back to all of the times in years past that it had felt like pulling teeth just to get you to go to mass with me, even when we were sleeping together and things were more solid and stable between us. When you did accompany me, you usually acted like it was an agonizing ordeal, stretching and yawning obnoxiously throughout the service. You couldn't even find it in yourself to make the sign of the cross or genuflect upon entering a church, not to mention that you'd expressed your disdain for God and for faith on more than one occasion. I didn't know how to work with any of that. None of it was evidence of support and the fact that our relationship seemed to be hanging by a thread as I lived out my faith more and more only proved that my beliefs and our relationship were incompatible. We were incompatible. I decided to be completely honest with you and was the first of us to exhale after too much time spent holding our breath. I need to be with a Catholic man, I said, the words tumbling out like poison from a spilled vial. It was the first time I'd articulated, acknowledged the truth of the statement since I'd begun to realize it. You covered your face with your arms in an attempt to hide your tears. When I finally dug through that mass of biceps, triceps, and flannel, your face, your face was blotchy and red, and I held you as tightly as I could, as though I could hold the two of us together by sheer will when we were so treacherously close to unraveling. We lay there quietly for a long time, processing everything that the conversation implied while sharing the heartbreak and devastated silence. It is such a strange feeling, like an out-of-body experience, to love someone and want them so much once you've realized that you're wrong for each other. There was a part of me that wanted to revert back to everything I had been when things came easily for us, before I started taking my faith and all that it taught seriously. But I knew that my old lifestyle was no longer conducive to this person I'd become, wasn't even conducive to true love. You and I had loved each other as much as we could, but never entirely selflessly. So that that is kind of the book in a nutshell. Um, and it's available for pre-order from now until the 28th. So grab a copy if you're interested. And today is actually the last day to buy it at the discounted rate. So um, swing by Amazon and check it out. I will say one of my favorite parts about closure in a nutshell is that not only that bold excerpt you just read, like you said, is is a general basis of the novel, but it highlights equally like the vibrant youthfulness of what romance is and how incredibly hard it was for your main character to say what you had just read. And mm. And if that's not the tug of war of every millennial's heart right now like I don't know what is you summed it up beautifully and your book is an inspiration for me as a single Catholic who strives to live out her faith and desires to have someone who agrees with her on that and and that's a journey in itself like we should do a whole episode on that 
<laughs> because that sure that started with self love and it gradually became this supernatural love for God and that takes over everything that we can't even put into words but that you your character and you as a writer stood up for and I'm just blown away by that because <laughs> I think amen I think romance is such a, a pull for people that we don't cultivate our own self-love because we'd rather hang on to any sense of whatever that romance is offering even if it entails the bad stuff yeah and sometimes if we haven't learned how to value ourselves it's easier to just depend on that sense of value from the people who we feel do give it to us in some way. And the hard thing is that a lot of romantic relationships aren't just like altogether toxic, mm -hmm. but they, they don't have to be toxic in every single way just for the relationship to still not be what it should be for you to grow into the person you're meant to be. So yeah, it's, it's rarely black and white and that's what makes it so hard. Exactly. And I think there, there's some practical ways that we can share, um, standing up for ourselves that's a powerful one but if we start small I mean break off friendships that harm you choose to stay in one night instead of going out with the wrong crowd walk yeah walk away from jobs that suck the life out of you um think differently think about spiritual realities think about God's goodness and God's love because if we know that love slowly but surely we'll recognize where the unlove actually is um just swapping out bad habits for good ones, whether that's your addictions or just food choices, uh, the words that you speak, you know, you can stop complaining and start praying instead. Stop thinking that mm -hmm. if you do complain, another person can fix it for you. Um, make decisions like going to retreat by yourself. Um, I One of my big things is going to a new workout class by myself or exploring new music I actually in corona would pick an album a week a random album from an artist I liked and just would listen to the whole thing and you know be crazy and dissect it and what the artist is probably going through <laughs> yeah I love that yeah but it wasn't I was like I'm so done with top 40 radio I'm gonna dive into something oh. more <laughs> <laughs> good for you reading books and um what else do you have anything else no, I, you know, I was just thinking just as you were explaining all of that, um, sometimes, you know, just doing things that are a little bit intimidating and scary at first, yeah. those things will ultimately help you to grow. Like you mentioned trying new retreats on your own, going to workout classes. Those are, you know, small things, but they can have a big impact on our growth. Mm -hmm. um, for me, for me, it's been things like, you know, making the decision to move out of state and quit my job where I ultimately wasn't satisfied or just like, you know, sometimes you just travel to places by yourself, yeah. even if there's no one else to go with you. It's like, if you want to do something and it's, it's not going to hurt you, it could even be good for you. Just go for it. Even if it feels scary, take that one step, throw your heart through the brick wall. <laughs> yes. I keep there it is again. It. <laughs> Selena Gomez better pay me for this episode. <laughs> I know it's like free advertising. Seriously. Linz, I just want to thank you for being on the show, for writing um, for this generation, for being, this is the, the thing, guys, the real deal is that we can talk about it, we're living it, but 
you know, when you can read this beautiful book and know that the author is right in the journey with you, that's consoling, right? Like actors and Nicholas Sparks can concoct to this cute little sugary romance, but there are things that are, are actual real deal breakers and you're finally showing us the faith side of it. So for a time such as this, we are so grateful for you and thank you.